Hey, welcome back to the New Community Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb, and this week we're wrapping up our series, Mixtape. The last few weeks have been great as we've heard from different voices from NCC, hearing unique messages, even though what's been cool is seeing how they all have actually lined up with each other um, with a common theme of being bold, stepping out, focusing on the promise that God has for us. And this week is Wayne Chandler, who's going to speak, and he has been one of our spiritual directors for a while. He's been really involved with NCC, moving us forward, helping us to grow as a church. And I'm excited for you to hear his message as he talks about focusing on the promise, on God's calling, even though we're going through the wilderness or through those difficult times. So pay attention, and I'm really excited for you to hear this message from Wayne Chandler. Come on now. Y'all know that old Lecrae. And if you don't, that's one of his first songs. I know last week Hunter came up to some Lecrae, and uh, I've been rocking with him for a while. And so I was like, man, I got to come out correct. If I'm a fanatic, I'm going to let them know. Excuse me, if I'm hoarse, I was worshiping hard. So uh, Lord, go annoying my voice. Um, but yes, I'm a fanatic. Lecrae is awesome. If you haven't heard of it, go check it out. That's off the 116 Click. That's before Trip Lee and all these other guys that are out there now. Um, it's kind of ironic that the name of this series is Mixtape, because if you know me, then I've probably made you a mixtape CD from worship to Christian hip-hop. Uh, Christian, I know you, he likes to call me Lil Wayne when he was about this big. Now he got hair on his face. So, uh, <laughs> he didn't know I was going to call him out. But, uh, yeah, I love the Lord. I love music. And so, I will give it to you in whatever way you can identify with it. Um, thankful for this opportunity to be up here. Um, please be praying for Pastor Aaron and Sarah. I know they'll be traveling back. They're out of town now. Um, thankful for my wife, the wonderful, awesome wife, my rib. She's my beautiful, my love. She's raised our awesomely unique three children, uh, 29 and four. Yes, they are spread out in our houses, somewhat crazy at times with a cat and now Pepper. So it's, uh, it can be crazy in there, but she manages it well. I'm grateful for her and I am grateful and, and just happy to see everyone here. I have not been back since COVID-19. I mean, I've been over there with the youth, but never, I haven't been in here. So, man, I just want to come out and hug everybody. And uh, I know it, it gets crazy because the kids want to run up and we all want to just, you know, like, you see somebody, you're like, can I give you a hug? And they say yes, and then you just, you just hug them. And so, man, it feels, it feels awesome. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. It's so good to see Keith and Lynn, Drew. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, so I know we're in COVID, in the midst of a pandemic, and uh, things have really been going crazy. Besides COVID-19, it's like, man, 
We got the election that's coming up. We got racial issues and tension that's in the news. You got people burning buildings, and it's, it seems like there's anarchy and things going all over the place. But despite that, God still has a plan and a purpose for you, for his church, the ecclesia. We know that we were, at one time, we weren't even coming in here. We were only worshiping via Zoom and Facebook Live. So these four walls do not define us, all right? Look at yourself. Point to yourself. Say, I am the church. We are the church. We are the strongest entity in the universe. Jesus Christ is our head. If you know anything about Voltron, they came together. They couldn't do anything without the head. That's how we are. The church is like Voltron. Jesus is the head. We go out and we just destroy things that stand up against him in the power of the Holy Spirit. So despite all these things that are going on, we still have a mission and commission here at NCC. We know that by the year 2025, we are going to grow 1,000 disciples across three campuses. That vision and mission has not gone away because of COVID-19. COVID-19 has nothing to do with what God gave Pastor Aaron to give to the church. Amen? You can make disciples on your block, at your job, at the grocery store, on the playground, wherever you are, that's still going to take place. Amen? Amen. So I pray that you've caught the message that the brothers have been sharing over the past couple of weeks. Last week, we had uh, Hunter Brooks and... Through Hunter, God told us that we must step up and step out. God wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to walk along. He wants to walk alongside us, and he wants us to be bold, okay? And then two weeks ago, if you back up, God spoke to us through Ricky Hill. He told us that God has designed us to run a race. We must be bold and run that race, amen? Regardless of what's going on in today's society, we have to be bold. If you look in the scriptures, every person that was used by God was bold, even if they didn't start out that way. One of the guys that we'll talk about today, he didn't even think he could talk because he had a little stutter. He's like, yo, I can't do this. I got a speech impediment. God was like, I got you. Your brother's going to go. So regardless of what you're going through, God has a plan. Despite your limits that you may feel like you have, God knew what you were going to have before he even called you to do what he sent you to do. So you, you can't negate or you can't feel like, oh, what, I, what I've done or things I've done in my past or my current situation discredits me from carrying the gospel and sharing my testimony. You went through what you went through for the testimony to share it. The Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb who is Jesus and by the word of their testimony. So if you don't have a testimony, if you don't feel like you have one, search your life. You'll see the crimson cord in your life where God has weaved your life together and created a testimony that you can share with somebody else. Man, y'all ready to eat? Yeah. yeah. David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we're going to taste. We're going to get in the word. I'm going to bless this, this, this scripture, this meal, and we're going to eat. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your spirit that is here. We pray that you bless this time, bless this word, allow us to enjoy it and partake of it. I pray that it falls on good, fertile ground, and that the seed planted grows roots and produces fruit for your kingdom glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.
Step up and step out. Be bold and run your race. Today's title is Focused on the Promise While Traveling Through the Wilderness. Focused on the promise while traveling through the wilderness. Now, let me break those words down. That way you understand the context I'm coming from. Promise, in this context, is a vision, a dream, a mission, or a specific word that was prophetically spoken to you. A dream, a vision, a mission, or a specific word that was prophetically spoken to you. Wilderness, while it can very well may be a physical place, and in scripture we've seen where it's a physical place, the wilderness also can represent a period or time of trial or hardship. Um, Some of you may even feel like this time that we're in now is a wilderness. Uh, We don't exactly know how long COVID-19 is going to be around. We don't exactly know how the political climate is going to stay as tumultuous as it is. We don't exactly know how long these race issues are going to prolong in society. We don't know when that stuff is going to end. But those things don't dictate what God has told us to do. Amen? Those things don't dictate the promises and the word, the mission that God has given us. What we're going to see is that God's promises lead to and reveal his plan, and his plan directly connects to your purpose. God's promises lead to and reveal his plan, and his plan directly connects to your purpose. You may not catch that now. Moses didn't catch it when he was called. Joseph didn't catch it when he was having the dream. Jesus knew it even when he came down here as a baby, and that's why I'm saving the best for last. We're going to see him walk that out. So the thing is we cannot neglect the process. Whenever something good happens, whether it's a meal, whether it's a football game, whether it's a basketball game, there's a process that gets you to that victory. There's a training season. There's ingredients that have to be mixed together. When you're making that amazing dish, there's a, a hot oven that it has to go through. You have to do some things. There's some mixing. The Bible tells us about stirring up the gift inside of you. These trials stir up our gifts that God uses for his glory. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'm going to read it here from the Amplified. This is kind of my basis or foundation. We'll be through different scriptures in the Bible, but James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider nothing but joy My brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith through experience produces endurance, which leads to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. As I said, we'll be looking at the lives of Joseph, Moses, and the goat, the greatest who's ever done it, who happens to be the lamb, Jesus. These are the three points that I hope that you capture. 
One, your wilderness season is a prerequisite to the purpose that God has planned for your life. Your wilderness season is a prerequisite to the purpose that God has planned for your life. Two, we must keep our focus on God to remain joyful and hopeful through the process. You must keep your focus on God to remain hopeful and joyful through the process. You cannot neglect the process. Three, the promise that you were given will benefit you, but it's also for other people. I dare say it's ultimately for other people what God is calling you to do. A lot of times we think, man, I just can't wait till God put this call on my life and I do this amazing thing for him. It's not for you. It is not for you. Get ahead of me. <laughs> All right, baby. Joseph, and this backstory is in Genesis chapters 37 and 39 through 42. Now, if you don't know about Joseph, he was the youngest of his brothers, and Joseph was kind of special. So his dad made him a special tunic because he was the youngest, and his dad was like, that's my baby. I'm going to get him some drip, some nice new threads. If you don't know what drip means, that means nice tight clothes. It's my first time saying it, so <laughs> don't judge me. Like I said, I got a 20 and a 9-year-old. They're trying to keep me hype and hip, whatever they say these days. Joseph had two dreams. One dream specifically was about his brothers and how they bowed to him. He told his brothers that dream. They were salty, of course. We're supposed to bow to you? You're the baby. So they stay salty. Because Joseph had another dream. In this dream, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed to him. He was like, oh, this one involves mom and dad. Let me go tell them. He tells his dad, Israel, who's like, so now mom and dad's supposed to bow to you too? He's like, okay. Of course, his brothers are hating. They're salty. His dad just, it says he, he's mindful of the thing, which means he remembered. His dad just remembered. So guess what? His brothers were so salty, they planned to kill him. It was like, we ain't bound to this joker. We're going to see what happened to his dreams when we, when we murk him. Okay? So they planned to take him out into the wilderness. And it was like, yo, we're going to take him out here and we're going to kill him. Reuben, one of the brothers, said, don't kill him. Let's not kill him. We're just going to throw him in a pit and leave him there. We're going to take him into the wilderness, throw him in a pit in the wilderness, and then just leave him there. So they're like, okay, let's do that. So they're sitting around the campfire. Reuben is somewhere else. Judah, one of the older brothers, says, you know what, guys? We can make some bread off our brother if we sell him into slavery. Ain't nobody got to know a thing. So they was like, yo, that's good thinking. So what they did, they went and pulled that joker up out the pit and went and sold him to some slaves. Now, I'm sure while Joseph was in the pit, he probably was like, God, I know you gave me a vision. Man, let me dream again. Oh, ain't no pit in this vision. Oh, this was not part of the dream, God. 
Whenever God gives you a promise or that prophetic word, you're not going to know the deleted scenes in the backstory of how you're going to get there. A lot of times when we see a movie and you see the, the, uh, the previews and they show this big triumphal thing, you don't see all the pain that went through to get there. When we were watching Marvel Endgame, the Avengers Endgame, you saw the end when everybody came out at the end when they was about to die at Thanos again. And Cap is like, I'm on your left. And the, everybody just came out. If I watch now, I get chill bumps. We didn't know that all those people was going to have to die. Chapter 39, we see Joseph. He's in slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar was the captain of the guard for uh, Pharaoh. Verse 2, make, make sure God says this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. So even before he starts really doing his things in Potiphar's house, it says that the Lord is with Joseph. Even when it looks like things are bad, remember that God is with you. Even as we're going through this season that we're going through right now, God, hasn't, God is with us. This didn't catch him off guard. Remember, God exists outside of time. So he's looking in. He sees everything we're going to go through. But just like as we're going through it, Jesus has already prayed for us the same way he did for Peter, when Peter was like, yo, I won't deny you. Jesus was like, man, the devil seeks to tempt you, to sift you, but I have prayed for you. Right then, Peter should have known he was going to be victorious because Jesus had prayed for him. We have an intercessor who is interceding, who's watching over us, who has his hands on us. Now, I'm sure that through some point in the time while Joseph was going through these situations, God reminded him of the vision. I don't think the vision ever left Joseph as it related to him being high above his family and them bowing to him. Though he may not have understood it because right now he's a slave. So speed up some. Long story short, Joseph is in there with Potiphar serving Potiphar had a wife. I guess Potiphar was not around like he wanted to, to be, or not as much as Potiphar's wife wanted him to, but Joseph wasn't no ugly cat. So Potiphar's wife was like, yo, what's up, dude? You down for some entanglement? Come on. Come on. So some entanglement? If you don't know about that, look up Will and Jada. And... Uh, Joseph refused her. And the Bible says this happened multiple times. She was persistent. She was persistent to the point where the last time she grabbed him, had his robe, and he was like, take it. And he just ran. He just ran. And she had the clothes in her hand. Then she framed him. She was like, oh, man, this dude tried to get me. He tried to rape me. And Potiphar was upset. I know I'm finna go off camera. I got to get my towel. Sorry. <laughs> if I start sweating, I'm a mess up here. Okay. So Potiphar puts Joseph in jail. But guess what? Later on in the verse, in the chapter, it still says, and God was with Joseph. So even, as soon as he gets to prison, God is with Joseph. 
and it goes on to say that he prospers. So he, be, he, he becomes in a position of power even in jail, okay? So while he's in jail, he meets two dudes, the butler and the baker. They have dreams. Joseph interprets their dreams. He tells them of how they're going to get out of jail, all right? Joseph is like, don't forget me, man, when you get out. Don't, don't forget your boy. Baker got out. He forgot him. Was it the butler? One of them got out, and they forgot him. Joseph spent another two years in jail, another two years in the prison, okay? Then Pharaoh has a dream. The servant that had got out of jail was like, yo, I know this guy who's in prison with me who can interpret your dream. He's like, okay, go get him. So Joseph comes out. He interprets the Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's like, whoa, I have not met a man like you before. So what does he do? Joseph gets this amazing promotion. He's put over all the groceries for Egypt because there's this great famine that's about to come on the land. So Joseph is stacking up all the groceries, making sure that this famine that's about to come doesn't wreak havoc on the rest of the land. Now, I'm sure while Joseph was thinking about his dream and his family bowing down to him, he didn't realize that this was, there was more to that dream. It's like, yo, you didn't even understand the full dream that God gave you. We're going to skip forward to Genesis 45, verses 5 and 8, and we're going to see that God had already purposed for this to happen. So you got to remember that the promise that you're given is not just for you. Most likely it's for your family, but it's not even just for your family. There are a group of people that God has placed you around, whether it's your street, your block, your work, your highway and your hedge where you go and you proclaim the gospel. What God has given to you is for them. Genesis 45, verses 5 through 8. By this time, Joseph's brothers have gone to Egypt because they're in the famine and they're looking for help. They don't even, and this, this is right after, this verse here is right after Joseph has even revealed himself that, yo, I'm your brother Joseph. I know I've been gone for 17 plus years and y'all tried to set me up, you know, but this is what God had. Verse 5 says, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house, a ruler over all the land of Egypt. Wherever God is preparing you to go, it may be somewhere you wanted to go, but he's going to get you to where he's going to get you there the way he wants you to be there. I always desired to be in Dallas. This is not in the notes, guys, so sorry. It just came to me. I always desired to be in Dallas um, from the moment I was in Mississippi going to school, trying to get here to work for Lockheed Martin. God said, yeah, you're going to get to Dallas, but I got some other things you're going to go through in Oklahoma. Um, three years later... I made it to Dallas by way of meeting my wife. Again, we'll probably share that story some other time. You never know how God is going to get you to that end result. 
but he's the orchestrator and the author of our faith, and he will carry it out to the end. Let's go to Moses. Exodus chapter 1 and chapter 2. Moses was born during a time when they were killing babies. The king wanted all the baby boys thrown into the river. And guess what? Moses' mom's like, I'm going to put them in the river, but I'm going to make a basket. So she put him in a basket, put him in the river. He floated down the river, and the king's daughter saw him. The Pharaoh's daughter saw him while she was bathing. So she pulled him out. She was like, won't he do it? Somebody said, won't he will? And he had a baby. If you know that joke, you know that you caught it. All right? Won't he will? And he did. So Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's family and was royalty for about 40 years of his life. Now, for some of you, you seem like, man, that's a long time. Doc, I just turned 40 last month. Okay? So... To me, that's a long time, but we know they lived to be pretty, young, pretty old during those times. So during those 40 years, Moses learned the ways of being in the royal court. Um, even some of his own people, he saw them abused and injustices done. On his last day there, part of the royal family, he saw some injustice being done. He couldn't handle it no more, so he, he murked or killed the Egyptian guard and then the next day, he found out somebody knew his dirt, so he ran. He's like, I got to get out of here before they try to get me. And he ran to where? He ran to Midian. What was he doing in Midian? Well, he met a young lady. He got married, had some kids, and was tending some sheep for about another 40 years. So Moses is almost 80, right around 80, grew up in the royal court, Murdered somebody and ran so he wouldn't be held accountable. And he's tending sheep. Now, if you don't know, sheep are some of the most stubborn animals on the planet. And they're referenced a lot of times in the Bible. But this is what Moses was herding. He was shepherding them for this long time. I don't think he knew that he was going to have to shepherd some more stubborn things, people. Chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses encounters God via a burning bush on Mount Horeb. God came to him in the, in the form of a burning bush. The bush was burning, but it was not being burnt up, not being consumed. Moses went and said, man, I got to check this out. Before he could even get real close, God said, yo, check yourself. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I'm here. Moses did that. He reverenced God. God said, look, your mission, should you choose to accept it? I have heard my children's cries. I need you to go and release them from the hand of Pharaoh and take them to a land that I have prepared for them. Earlier, I told you Moses came to him. He wasn't like, yes, I'll do it. He's like, no, it's not for me. I can't talk. That I got you. Moses, or God provided the way. Moses didn't get his marching orders till he was about 80. But God had his hand on Moses' life since he was that baby in the basket. Whatever God has for you, it may seem like, man, I'm not, a, I see all these other younger people doing their things for God and I'm 
close to my 40s, and I don't feel like I started yet. Came here, met Spencer. This dude was on fire. Then I met Adam, Aaron Castellanos. This cat was on fire. All these dudes are young. Hunter, this dude's young. Caleb, this guy is young. Reese is super young. I remember when Reese was in New Kids, now this dude's up here leading worship. He finna go off and do some amazing things on the campus God's sending him to. God is raising up these Davids. Don't worry about where you are in your life age-wise. God has a plan for you. That time, the age you are, there was, there's a testimony that's been built. Okay? God has a plan for your present. And for your future, your testimony was built in your past and it's still being written. Many people feel like they're always getting, for, getting ready for something important. The next big thing, when am I going to do it? When am I going to step out? God has a plan for you where you are. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Do not neglect the process. Don't neglect the training that you're learning. Now, there are many times during, from the, the journey from Egypt, the Red Sea, the many years in the wilderness where the children of Israel that Moses was leading were complaining, grumbling, and mumbling. If you have a four-year-old or it's been a while, let me remind you, they grumble a lot. They complain a lot. My nine-year-old complains a lot, but they're young. That's what they do. We did the same thing. The children of Israel did it a lot. And I'm sure it frustrated the mess out of Moses. You can read it. Dude was striking rocks and throwing down tablets and just being frustrated. But guess what? How do you, how do you continue to lead and shepherd someone who <laughs> is that impatient? Like, didn't you just see God deliver you from the hands of Pharaoh? All those plagues? Did any of them mess with you? No. Didn't you see him take you through the Red Sea? Yeah. But you brought us out here to die. We ain't got no food out here, man. We we're supposed to eat. Can you please see these people some happy meals? Okay, I got you. Manna from heaven. It was so good they didn't even know what to call it. That's what manna means. I don't know what it is. But they ate it up. Okay, so God was always with them. This is how Moses was able to, point two, remain hopeful and faithful to the promise and the mission that God gave him. He saw God's hand on their life. He saw them through every step. Man, you got us out here, we lost. We don't know where we going. Before the times of Google, when you could put it in your map and Google tell you to turn right, turn left, you had MapQuest. Y'all know nothing about MapQuest. All you had were the road signs. That's it. There was no traffic or wrecks that showed up on the map. So you didn't know how you was going to plan. If something happened and the road was shut down, you got to go do a detour. There was no just Wi-Fi. You just go get a, a new signal. Man, you had to read these map books. Your boy is terrible with navigation. But God gave me a wife who was an awesome navigator. If you ask me which way is north, south, east, or west right now, I can't tell you. She's laughing, but I can't. But God. So 
So what did he do? He provided them a way through the wilderness. He gave them a holy GPS. But still, the people wanted to grumble. It's hard to stay focused when you're trying to lead people who can't see the hand of God on their life. What did Moses do? It says that there was a tent that Moses would go to, and in that tent, the Spirit of God would come, and that's where God and, and Moses communed. And I mean, they got tight. And so Moses, this is how another way how he remained faithful, probably the main way. He communed with God. We have to keep our face towards God. We have to continue to meet with God. During this time of shelter in place, quarantine, man, it's the perfect time to find a closet, a special room in your house, your car. If it's in the garage, you don't want to go outside, you burn up. It's Texas. This is Texas. Don't mess with it. The heat will get you. Find your place to commune with God. You can sing. You do your own worship. Ain't nobody going to hear you if you're off key. It's okay. It's a joyful noise. That's in the Bible. Okay? In the end, Moses only got to see the promised land. He didn't even get to go into it. God took him to a mountain, and he got to view the place where God was coming. Okay? Where God was taking the children of Israel. Remember, the promise you're given is not just for you. It's for those around you. Moses' mission was greater than he could imagine. He was leading people from Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. Most of the older people that came out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, they didn't make it. Their mindset wasn't right. So what did God do? He's like, man, I, gotta, I can't take this into the promised land because you ain't going to appreciate what I'm giving you. But your children are going to make it in. So the babies in here, like that were in Egypt, that were carried across the Red Sea, those are the ones who went to the promised land because they saw what God did and they remembered. Moses had no idea all those people were going to be killed off. Him and his brother Aaron didn't even make it in. What God has for you is not just for you. There are some things that God has told you and shown you that you may not get to see all the way through. It's for your kids. It's for your family. It's for the generations to come. Let's go to Jesus. Jesus set the standard when it comes to staying focused on the mission. I believe that even when he was born as a baby, he knew he was born to die. He knew that there had to be a perfect sacrifice. So through the virgin birth, God prepared him a, ba a body. He went, he grew, and when it was time for him to start his mission on his ministry, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Don't think that what God has for you is not going to be, there's not going to be some preparation for that. Even Jesus was prepared. And this, he was 100% God and 100% man, and he still was prepared. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, came out of the wilderness. Devil tried to tempt him. He beat him up with the word. Get out of here, joker. Get beneath me. Started his ministry. Ministry of teaching, 
preaching, healing, and delivering folks from demons. But he had to be prepared before he could just go do all that. Do not neglect the process. You are being prepared now. I feel like God is preparing this church. There's some things that are being revealed. I believe some wheat and tares being separated. Because those who truly love him are going to stay here. They're going to press through. There are going to be some that say, I don't think I'm built for this. There's a revival coming. A great revival coming. These babies in here need to be ready. We need to be ready. Everything is not going to happen while we're here in these four walls. You guys got to get ready at your house. You've been placed on the, on the street where you are for a reason. We're new in the neighborhood where we are. Castellanos are new where they are. The Bagbys are new where they are. You weren't placed there just because you thought the house was pretty. He put you there for a reason, so get ready. It's going to be messy. We've encountered some things on our block in our neighborhood that I wasn't expecting. But we did tell him, put us where you need us to be. And he's doing that. How did Jesus stay focused? As you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, we see how Jesus went and did different miracles. He was preaching and teaching, healing, delivering people from demons. When he got done, what did he go do? He didn't say, hey, yo, let's go drink. Let's go party. Nope, he's separated. He's like, I need to go over here and commune with the Father. You have to spend time with God. You have to get away, separate yourself from even your family, go into your closet. There are other times I believe that Jesus was fasting. If you don't understand fasting, look it up. It's a spiritual discipline. It's like lifting weights for your spirit. And it can be uncomfortable. But its, its output is amazing. You will see victories in your life that you did not think you could have. Just by fasting, even the disciples asked, Yo, why couldn't we cast out this demon? Some things only come by fasting and prayer. They, had already, they already asked him to teach them how to pray. He's like, oh, you fasting too? Yes. You want some amazing power in your life. You want to see the spirit work in your life. Fast. I can remember when I got here, there were some men who didn't know nothing about it. They started, and they started to see amazing things happen in their life. Jesus understood what he was sent here to do. Even though the disciples that spent three years of their life with him were like, man, we don't want you to die. We don't want you to die. This, we don't want this to be the last supper. We don't, we, don't, we don't want you to do none of that. He was like, yo, you don't understand. You will when I leave. Ultimately, Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, not my will, but thy will be done. There's a song that says, I give myself away. All right, so how does that play out in my life? We're going to go to about the year 2005. I met my wife, got married, skipped to 2010. We've been married. We've been doing what married people do. Man, there's no babies. 
We go to the doctor. Doctor's like, what's going on? It's like, man, we can't get pregnant. Well, they ran some tests. They didn't know what was going on. We got, we got unexplained infertility. Like, you can't explain it, and you the doctor. How am I supposed to figure out? Okay, so we keep going. Early, in, I think in 2008, 2009, my wife says, what about adoption? Man, I rejected the whole issue. I rejected the whole thought. But no, I'm not, I'm not for that. We're not going that way. She says, okay. The end of 2009, there's a man of God who prophesies over me and my wife saying, hey, you, know, you guys are going to have a manifestation of what you've been desiring from the Lord by this time in 2010. Me and my wife did not tell him that we wanted a baby, but he knew that it was something that we wanted. God revealed that to him. So, of course, we were ecstatic. We went and did what married people do, say, hey, this is uh, the time on the calendar when you need to be pregnant. That time came and passed, and I got discouraged. What did I do? I fasted and prayed. I sought the Lord. Through that, he changed my heart. I told my wife, I said, hey, let's, uh, let's sign up for adoption classes. We went to adoption classes. That's where I met Pastor Aaron and Sarah for the first time. We ended up sitting at the same table. Me and Aaron were goofing off in class, got in trouble multiple times. Um, speed up. Three weeks into class, we've been blessed with a baby boy, fresh out the womb. His name is Isaiah. He's nine. We adopted him in no time. We did not get certified through that place, but our reason for being there, I believe, was to meet Aaron and Sarah. Little did we know we would be fellowshipping with them and sitting under him in ministry, but God knew. What God has planned for you is not just for you. It's not just for you, okay? Speed up. Through 2015, we come here to NCC, and guess what? We conceive twice, twice. 10 years of marriage, and now God opens up the ones like, oh, y'all gonna get pregnant. Guess what? They ended in miscarriage. Man, twice in the same year, and this is what you got planned for us, two miscarriages? Broke our hearts. I continue to seek God. Why? Fast forward to 2016. What was it August, September? Ring, ring. Hey, is this the parents of, they called my son by his name before he was adopted. Such and such? Yeah, we're his parents. There's another baby. It's a girl. We want to know if y'all are interested. Lo and behold, this baby's name is Angel. She's born on my birthday. Man, what you trying to tell me? You sent me my angel? You had to know we jumped on that. She's a booger, but I love her. She's a booger, but I love her. What God has planned for you is not just for you. What God had planned for us was not just for us. When I met my wife, she had a son. His name was Kylan. The dude was calling me daddy on the phone before we even saw each other. You have no idea what that did to me. He's my heart. We have some troubles, but we grow through it. He is my heart. I got three amazing kids that call me daddy. 
None of them come from my seed. I had no idea this was how God was going to bless us. But what God had planned for me was not just for me. I stayed focused on the promise that he gave us, that we were going to be having a child. What does that mean for you? That means that God has things planned for you. Jesus came down. He died on the cross for your sins so that we could be reconciled with the Father and have eternal life. If some of these things I've been saying don't make sense to you because you don't know the gospel, let me explain it to you. Sorry. When sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, there was a separation. God is holy. He cannot be joined with unholiness. Jesus said, I will die on the cross for their sins. He came down, was born of the Virgin Mary, died on the cross, shed his blood on the cross, died as the ultimate atonement for our sins, that ultimate sacrifice. On the third day, he rose again, came and showed himself to the disciples, went to heaven and is preparing a place for us. Now, if you've never done this, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do it today, right now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died on the cross and on the third day he rose again, guess what? That means you will be saved. Saved from what? Eternal damnation. Eternal separation from him. Hell is real. You don't want to go there. You think Texas is hot? You don't want to go there. Okay? So, I'm going to pray. And if you are in that uh, place, then repeat these words. I believe that you will be saved. We have new life coaches who will walk with you through, through the beginnings of discipleship. Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I was born into sin, but I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins so that I can be reconciled, returned, and joined to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you shed blood for me. And now I confess that I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart, come into my life, and change me. Make me a new creation so that I may dwell with you in eternity. Now, if you prayed that and you believed it with every fiber of your being, guess what? There's a party going on in heaven because the angels are rejoicing. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, for those, everyone in here and those watching who just heard this word. Father, we thank you for this word that was just shared. We know that you want us to focus on the promise while traveling through the wilderness. We believe and know that you are with us. You said you never leave us nor forsake us. We trust you even though we can't see everything that's going to happen. We don't have to. You know what's going to happen. We trust and believe that you have a plan for our life. God, I pray that if, they don't, if folks don't know what their plan is or what you have for them to do, that as they seek you, you would slowly begin to reveal that plan to them. Even if you can't give them the whole loaf of bread, start us out with breadcrumbs that lead us along the way to your kingdom work. 
I trust and believe that you will do this and that there are great things coming. That as their testimonies are shared, they will meet people who also want to know you. So, Father, we lift you up. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw them into you. Jesus, we lift you up. We pray that as you continue to grow us, that we will do your kingdom work. NCC family, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. As you go throughout your week, reflect on this. Pray over the promise that God has given you and give thanks to him for how he'll come through and fulfill his promise to you. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new. We want to help you grow in your faith. So connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would really love to hear from you.